0: Masterful Art of Self-Care, hosted by by Wallace. So on today's episode, I have Lauren Collins, and she is a licensed physical therapist and a certified lymphedema therapist. She has practiced physical therapy for 20 years with an emphasis in women's health for the past 16 years, inclusive of pelvic floor dysfunction for the past 10 years, where she treats both men and women. Lauren believes in multi-layer healing and incorporates a philosophy of whole self-healing in her treatments. She is also a trained sexual assault survivor advocate and has special interest areas in working with survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence and cultural competency. She provides educational workshops to survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence to assist them in healing pelvic pain and pelvic floor dysfunction issues. She has presented on sexual trauma and pelvic pain at several conferences supporting survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. So I had first heard of Lauren Collins while listening to a webinar that she put together through the Section on Women's Health, which is a branch of the American Physical Therapy Association last year, and it focused on trauma-informed care for patients who are sexual assault survivors and also the many things that therapists and other healthcare professionals can do to ensure that they are providing an environment that can allow for true healing um, and also to make the survivor feel listened to and understood amidst their trauma. So she has spent a lot of time talking about trauma and how it has big impacts on the physical, the emotional, and also the psychological healing of that patient. And there definitely needs to be more sensitivity and awareness of that. And she does a really great job of educating and bringing more awareness to that. So I was lucky enough to listen to her speak again um, in Washington, D.C. while I was attending CSM just last month and had the opportunity to ask her to sit down with us and talk to us about the intersection of self-care and trauma. All right, so I have Lauren Collins, um, and so we're at CSM 2019 in Washington, D.C., and she just finished um, giving her talk on um, trauma and wanted to have the opportunity to to talk to you just about, um, you know, your practice and, you know, how you got into, I know you're a public floor physical therapist and just how you went into that route of like wanting to work with you know probably men and women and probably children you knew who have had or suffered from any type of sexual assault um, talk a little bit about trauma-informed care and then also the podcast is all about self-care mm-hmm. and so it's about self-care for like neglected abused, you know misuse areas of the body and obviously you know trauma is like both the physical as well as the mental but then just you know with the patients you work with um, self-care that you give to them and then also for yourself just because you are taking on so much of um, not so much of their trauma but just what you're listening and witnessing so um, yeah so i'll just have you introduce yourself and just a little bit about you know who you are how long you've been practicing where you're practicing stuff
1: okay hi Um, (laughs) my name is lauren collins Um, i'm a physical therapist i practice in the washington dc area but i'm originally from metro detroit michigan so big up detroit I have been practicing physical therapy for twenty years. Um, I've been doing pelvic health for
0: what year? Is I it? saw on your website. I said like thirteen years. So.
1: Actually, it's more than. It's that. Been more oh wait, than wait. That. Okay, I've been doing lymphedema since two thousand and two. Okay. Um, and so then I've been doing pelvic floor since two thousand and eight. So, eleven years for that. Okay. Um, a little bit longer for lymphedema, and then, um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. those two things. Okay. Um. I came into this work um, because my mother um, works in uh, advocacy for domestic violence, and she has for 40 plus years. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up going to domestic violence shelters. Um, I grew up going to conferences that talked about sexual assault, domestic violence, and cultural competencies, and working particularly in, in communities of color. And so going through all that, and then becoming a pelvic health physical therapist, I started to to realize um, because I screen everyone, um, mm-hmm. and that comes from my training with my mom growing up um, for histories of sexual assault or domestic violence and so from that I started realizing this huge correlation between survivors and issues of of just physical issues, all kinds. So mm-hmm. anything from chronic pain, fibromyalgia, a lot of gut issues, IBS, a lot of pelvic pain, pain with intercourse. Um, and so I just started seeing that there was a need for this to be targeted more, and particularly in communities of color who don't always require, or don't always um, requires not the right word, don't who don't always get the same kind of healing mm-hmm. um, that other people do. You mm-hmm. know, and yeah. so a lot of underserved communities. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: When you started out, I mean, especially <coughs> just because your mom has already been, you know, affiliated with that work for a long time, you know, and then have adding the physical therapy piece to it, were you pretty surprised at, you know, just the amount of, um, you know, chronic pain or just the, a lot of the diagnosis that you mentioned, like fibromyalgia or, you know, fibroids, and endometriosis, mm-hmm. like uh, pelvic mm-hmm. you know, um, pain with intercourse, like, mm-hmm. were you surprised that, you know, um, how prevalent it was I was surprised well
1: it made sense to me so mm-hmm. I guess the prevalence of yes it was a lot I mean mm-hmm. um, so that made sense not that it was a good kind of making sense but it made yeah. sense mm-hmm. I think what shocked me more was how the the organizations that support survivors didn't get it they didn't see it mm-hmm. like because mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff when you go to these conferences um, a lot of what you see is talking about um, like uh, emotional support, mental health support, or um, legal support, Mm -hmm. or shelter support, financial support. Um, But there's nothing that talks about their physical health. Mm -hmm. I mean, other than, I shouldn't say nothing, it's other than, like some mindfulness training, which is awesome. That's so needed, but nothing yeah. talks about these pain patterns or these other issues they have. And I was mm-hmm. like, I see this every day. What are you yeah. t- How is this not part of what you guys are, like, you know, trying to instill into your programs? Mm-hmm. And so from there, that's how I started working more because I saw the need of it within the organizations that treated survivors specifically and only. Okay. They didn't have anybody that does that. And okay. so I started um, giving presentations to those organizations like, look, this is an issue, and this is something you need to address. So mm-hmm. that was how I
0: okay. got into that. Something just to—I mean, it's not one of the original questions I was going to ask, but um, just because it's a real interest for me, and I'm coming from Oakland, California, and um, you know, wanting to work with an organization where they work with um, teens who have been um, sex sex trafficked, and so you know, especially for that population of, you know, young girls or even just, you know, of color, um, that obviously they're not going to have the financial resources. And so how do you manage, you know, those waters, like wanting to give those type of services, especially because it's, it's not like they can go to their primary care physician, or, nor do they probably have a regular, you know, physician that they go to mm-hmm. and wanting to offer those services because that's going to help for just their overall health as they get older. Um, and then them being able to afford it or you know and then you also sustaining you know right. your practice as well so
1: what, what happens for me actually and I have to go talk to another organization like uh-huh. the, the next week um, about this too um, I started a nonprofit that I'm working on okay. so hopefully that'll bring income in to be able to do that mm-hmm. um, and I, I do a cash-based practice so okay. um, that's what helps support me going to do working with people who don't maybe have financial means to do it so that's kind of how i try and balance it out but um especially if you know like organizations that do that you can go and give like group talks to a group of teens Mm -hmm. um and education is so key like if you have the education that that, I mean, personal treatment is important as well, but mm-hmm. education, just identifying it and knowing it and saying, here's some things you can take home. Again, empowering them for their own healing yeah. is huge because um, so much power was taken away with the with the assault. Mm-hmm. So now you're, I'm giving you something to to empower you to take home to help you be back in your body to help you feel safe in your body mm-hmm. and so I think that's a huge component of it okay
0: so. I'll probably have to talk with you about it somewhere because like my eventual goal is to like have a pro bono clinic and mm-hmm. be able to like offer those kind of services and mm-hmm. um, yeah so I'll definitely um, speak with you some more about that um, I wanted to know at least the relevance of having you know this type of training and um, approaching trauma you know in sexual assault survivors um, who seek public floor physical therapy. And for those who don't understand, can you explain why you feel that um, having just like that training you know working with women with men you know who have suffered some type of trauma and i know you know you talk not just about like sexual assault but it can be you know um trauma just from a disaster trauma from Mm. you know domestic violence you know any kind of trauma and why it's so important um, especially if it's been something that's you know physical and to that pelvic floor area you know to uh, such a i don't going to say sensitive, but private area. Why those who, who might be listening? Why um, it's important to at least have some type of training on trauma? You know, before you're working with those type of individuals,
1: because there's a sensitivity there. So these people um, who are who are these trauma survivors, mm-hmm. um, and if they dig it to a level of PTSD, they're so upregulated, right? Mm-hmm. So. Coming to them is automatically—they're automatically coming in guarded, yeah. and um, so to get them comfortable, um, it, that's huge, right? Mm-hmm. They, to build a trust is huge. Yeah. That's that's really key in working with survivors. I mean, somebody coming in who hasn't gone through, who hasn't had a traumatic event like that, where they've suffered um, a PTSD kind of thing—if mm-hmm. they're coming in, they don't automatically have these issues. They're not guarded. They're like, yeah, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Come, want to move my knee? Move my knee. Yeah. You know. Um, but it's different when you're coming to someone who's already upregulated and who um, you got you to gotta be able to, to, to work that in. You got to be able to build a trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's what the real thing comes with working with trauma survivors is building a trust so that they feel safe, letting them feel <laughs> safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't just do that by putting them in a big room um, full of equipment and, mm-hmm. and a curtain. That doesn't make someone feel safe. So yeah. you have to make accommodations to help someone feel that way and that's when you start the healing that's when people can kind of let their guards down and yeah. can start to um, process um, and again there's all this new research although we already knew this people who, people who who practice mindfulness and meditation already knew this stuff works But yeah. but Regular, I mean, you know, um, like Western medicine didn't necessarily accept it as an ex- as a form of treatment. Mm-hmm. But people who have been doing this for years know. Yeah. This works. Like, we change the brain. We change our molecules. We change our bodies mm-hmm. when we can get into them and, and down-regulate and feel them. We decrease inflammation. We do all these things. So it's important to know all that. And that's why I think the difference comes in between your regular PT patient and when you're working with a trauma survivor. They, they're already up. They're up. They're up. They're up. You yeah. got to bring them down so they can heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there you know and kind of go on. Okay. Did I answer your question? Yeah no okay.
0: absolutely and so that was like my next question was like because um, you talked about trauma-informed care and you mentioned like the three R's mm-hmm. I know like recognizing mm-hmm. so can you talk a little bit about um, you know as part of your practice what does trauma-informed care look for you look like to you and then you know so you mentioned about P, like a patient with PTSD they'll come up and they're just like really upregulated mm-hmm. like what is a treatment and you don't have to go into detail, but like, you know, just to in order to kind of help them downregulate before even starting to do any physical assessments, like what do you do in order to help them downregulate?
1: So first coming into my space needs to feel safe, okay. right? So mm-hmm. you don't come into my safe space with real bright lights, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's that's a up. So they need to come into a safe that feels comfortable, warm, inviting. So um, there are dimmer lights. Um, mm-hmm. I do like there are things like artwork on the wall and just things that are kind of comforting and soothing. Mm-hmm. I don't tend to play music a lot um, when I treat just because I think I like the silence yeah. better. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people do like music. Yeah. And so if a patient wants music or if that's how you do, then that's good. Just see, make sure it's something that that, that, that person likes yeah. and can feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, now, depending on where we are, if it's someone I just met and I, and I know some history about them, um, we may not do. Depending on their comfort level of touching, I may not touch them that first day. Mm -hmm. That doesn't often happen. I can usually touch them in other places, you know, on that first day. But um, it's a lot about getting their consent and finding out where they are. Um, I talk to them that they are survivors. um, About are they processing it with anyone? You know, and if you're processing it with someone. And I let them know that this is something you should process because yeah. there may be things that happen during the course that will bring up emotions, and that's good. You mm-hmm. know, it's a safe space, you can get, you can let that out here. Um, but we have these conversations so that they know it's a safe space and they know it's okay to let that out and let that go, and it should, that's how they heal. Mm-hmm. Um, And if they do like if we're working and they're going through a process they're getting emotional i just check back with them are you in pain if they're not in pain is it okay to keep going it's okay to keep going we just keep they keep crying and we keep going through it and that's okay that's Mm -hmm. what they need to do um i may for down regulation i may do things um i practice cranial sacral therapy and visceral manipulation Mm -hmm. um i find cranial help helps a lot with just getting a person to kind of ease up and down regulate and get calm um and then from there i can go on to the next step once they once they feel a little more open Mm -hmm. um so then from there it depends like i i i I listen to the body first so i don't always just treat what the person says hurts i i do what we call a listening according to visceral and then i'm saying Mm -hmm. okay i know this isn't where you say hurts but your body right now is telling me that this is where the issue is so i'm gonna go and work here and it may not be anywhere near Mm -hmm. where they say and they're you know they're like okay because i explain it to them and let them know about how the body connects and everything's connected. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do um, Okay, and how we work things out. Okay.
0: And then, um, yeah. So as I mentioned at the beginning, just what are some self-care tools? So especially if you have a patient and you've been working with them like long-term and obviously in some cases you're probably not able to work with them, you know, for an extended period of time, Mm -hmm. but you know, like a last session, you know, or probably, you know, ongoing like what are self-care tools you provide to them? You know whether it's on the physical level whether it's like exercises or um, you know self-touch you know so they feel comfortable touching mm-hmm. you know those parts of the body that have been assaulted mm-hmm. or even just like mentally um, self-care tools that um, you know they can use in order to help with their own healing yeah
1: um, so like I, I give patients felt bubbles or encourage okay. like artwork or other outlets like that mm-hmm. um, just to reconnect with their bodies um, I also give them, I'll give them mantras or, you know, mm-hmm. things to do. We'll talk, uh, we, I may go through a session and we do um, guided imagery and they can take that with them mm-hmm. about grounding themselves and letting out um, anything that's not serving their higher selves. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about um, doing that at home too. And then stretches, stretches that kind of open up the areas and breathing. Breath is huge. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mention this. Breath is huge, 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 breathing is mm-hmm. huge. Um, So we talk a lot about breathing, Um, breathing into the areas Mm -hmm. that are affected, breathing just for for mobility of the diaphragm. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of that. breath work and then stretches Uh, if they're a yoga person they like yoga then I may give them yoga poses if they're not just give them stretches although they look a lot like yoga poses Um, so so, um, but and then with those stretches just breathing when they're doing the stretch breathing into the area that they need to breathe into Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, so and then if they are at the point where they're doing External work. Then I give them some external pelvic floor releases. If that, if we're working on the pelvic floor that they can do. Mm-hmm. If it's internal, we talk. About, we go through training for wands. So by this time, they would have had wands or dilators or whatever okay, the case yeah. is, mm-hmm. um, to teach them how to do their own self internal work. And so, those are the things that they take with them.
0: Okay. And then my last question for you is: so because you are, I mean, you have been a practicing physical therapist for a long time, and you are working with. Um, I'm sure like not every day you're, you know, dealing with people who have trauma, you know, in some aspect. I'm, I know all of us, you know, have some trauma in some mm-hmm. form or another, but especially, you know, if it's a violent, you mm-hmm. know, type of trauma, um, you know, obviously not wanting to take that home with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you mentioned like, you know, you do Reiki and you have a really great support system, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just, you know, if you can just talk about, you know, what is your self-care like, especially like after a really, you know, tough day of like listening and witnessing and being present to all of these stories?
1: Um, I think part of it is, and I didn't mention this earlier and I probably should have, part of it is that when I go into treatments where I know it's going to be that kind of energy, mm-hmm. I put up a mental kind of barrier. okay, um, So that I'm, I'm not, t- so it, it kind of bounces off of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just mentally, I put that up something. So if if I know something's coming out, it's just gonna bounce out of me. And then I also, <laughs> I'll imagine like drains coming out of my elbow. So mm-hmm. what I take in is just gonna drain yeah. out of el- So this is just ways I kinda just help keep the energy flowing out what I don't wanna take in. Okay. Um, I do things like smudge myself. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, either with um, such smudge spray or with Sage Sticks or Palo Santo, like whatever I, I, I'm smudging. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of grounding work every day, many times a day. Oh.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not the smudging. Um, every day, I'll say many times a day, I imagine Things like roots coming out of the bottom of my feet, going into the earth, grounding me and anything that's not serving my higher self, going down through the roots. I imagine tendrils coming off of me and absorbing mm-hmm. in um, healing, healthy, good energy, and then me sending that back out to the universe and to my patients. So this is like, I don't know, many times a day, I like go through this process, I go mm-hmm. through this process, and that's kind of what keeps me in a space. And then, um, I have family that you know sends me energy and, and does things too. So those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I don't get as much body work done per yeah. se. I probably should get. It would be nice. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> so maybe I'll start working on my uh-huh. body work more. But I definitely yeah. do a lot of grounding and clearing of of myself mm-hmm. and um, stones and you know all kinds of things. Yeah.
0: So. Well, I mean, like just Crystals. from talking to you, I mean, it seems like you're a very like holistic type of practitioner. I know mm-hmm. not a lot of PTs are like that, and um, you know the other thing I've heard is like obviously just dealing with your own stuff, you know before you're then working with your patients yeah. and their stuff So it's really awesome just to be able to hear just like what your self-care practice is because I know that that's super important So that way you're coming in with each patient just like you've already unpacked all of your own stuff mm-hmm. So you can just be present and be with the patient. Yeah, so, yeah,
1: and that does, it doesn't work every time. Yeah, all the time. okay I mean, I'm human, <laughs> uh-huh. but <laughs> to the yeah. best of my ability most times that's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to do
0: Okay. <laughs> awesome Thank you so much. So, oh, yeah, you're it's welcome. really, yeah, it was really short. So, um, but thank, thank you. you again. No, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate
1: it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Masterful Art of Self Care. For more interviews and inspiring stories from men and women like Lauren Collins who are bringing the neglected and seldom talked about parts of our body to the forefront of self-care, please subscribe to our channel on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Who do you want to hear from next? What would you like me to discuss? If you have a suggestion, shoot me an email at tia at com or direct message me at tia the SPT on Instagram. We now have a bi month newsletter that is available for you to read up on upcoming podcast episodes and to learn about self-care and its relevancy in other healthcare disciplines as well as through other mediums as well. You can sign up for it on our website, themousefulartofselfcare.com So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast and rate, review, and share this episode with someone who may benefit from it. Let's help make self-care more accessible and down-to-earth. Thank you again for listening.